Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Everybody, welcome to a good football show. I am Patrick Darty, joined today by Denny Carter, Kyle Dvorak, and our newest teammate slash special guest for today, Mr. Connor Rogers. You know him from the Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Barry and his NFL draft content, including a mock draft now up on NBC Sports Edge slash Rotor World. Connor, I was just very angry and upset the whole time I was reading it. I don't know. It's usually how it goes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. If you're not, it's probably a really bad mock draft. That's usually a rule of thumb at this point when writing them. Yeah, you have to just trigger every fan base in the entire league when you do a mock draft. Otherwise, no one will click it. Now, check it out. Really, really good stuff. We're going to pick his brain on the draft today. But first, just real quick, some opening show banter, which we like to do around here. Connor, I couldn't help but notice – you are a Mets fan and maybe also a Mets podcaster too. Uh, yes, I, I keep that in the back pocket pretty well. <laughs> it's like a local, very local kind of thing. I am a Mets podcaster. Started out as a hobby, I believe, a little before the pandemic. I can't remember the timing of it. And now it's, uh, I mean, I do it once a week, so it's not like I'm grinding daily Mets podcasts, but it, it's a lot of fun sometimes. With the Mets, it depends I was going to say sometimes, day. that's what I was going to say, take us through the mindset of an early 2023 Amazons fan, because, you know, I don't <laughs> know if you've heard, it's supposed to be your year, but I don't know, also if you've heard, Justin Verlander's already injured, and Starling Marte's been hurt, things, of course, the most dominant closer in the league, injured celebrating in an international tournament, <sighs> and just, just take us through the state of mind of a Mets fan right now. Well, hosting a podcast for them is the easiest thing in the world because there's literally <laughs> always something notable in the news to talk about, whether it's the amount of money. And we started the podcast right before Steve Cohen bought the team. We knew the sale of the team overall was pending. I don't think I would ever uh, start that podcast during the Wilpon era. Yeah, knowing it, was it would be down. a losing proposition. Then. No, it never would have happened. So it's helped a lot because they are active in free agency. Obviously they always have for better or for worse, something going on throughout the season or sometimes not even during the season at all. But as an actual Mets fan, I mean, you guys know how long the baseball season is my God. And I've been trying to become more of an adult and packing it in of like it's April losing games doesn't matter, but it's still <laughs> so hard, especially in the division they're in where it feels like every year the Braves aren't losing the Phillies come out of nowhere uh, and then you have the Marlins, the Nationals that are just kind of there. So it is fun. It's It was meant to be a nice little break from the lovely grind of football. But I don't know if it's turned out that way at all. <laughs> no, no. Being a baseball fan, especially a Mets fan, will never be a nice little break where I'm in a baseball town. The Cardinals are currently five and seven. And it's basically like our Cuban missile crisis. People, <laughs> what is going on? Not to yeah. be dramatic, but yeah. yeah. Like, what is going Denny, on with our birds? Denny, yeah. name a Met. Name, name your favorite Met. Don't name Justin Verlander, who I already said. 
no, no, or no, Philly Marte. All right. So listen, yeah, yeah. I know, I know the Marte guy, right? <laughs> uh, so I actually I the, only, the only way I know any MLB players is through DFS because I because I, I gamble. Okay, oh. I I like to donate money to MLB DFS. So the other day I rostered. Uh, I'm looking at my uh, 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 Francisco Lindor. Okay, yeah, that's former good, Guardian. That's a good one. Yeah, one of the right. biggest stars in all of Major League Baseball. Yes, and yes. he had he had one hit. Two RBIs and a run and three at bats. So I was happy with that. And that so, so that's a good one. I thought you were going to maybe say you went really cheap with big time prospect Francisco Alvarez, who we are all hoping gains catcher eligibility soon. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, well <laughs> no, I, I went with the shortstop uh, because it fit into my budget. So there you go. That's this kind of that's Denny's sick mindset. I know you met Denny in person now. You kind of know what he's all about. <laughs> Uh, just a terrible individual now. <laughs> so, uh, no more New York Mets talk. Time to get into the NFL draft. Time to get into Connor's mock draft. Connor, couldn't help but notice in the mock, you have been part of the switch uh, at the top of the board where we had convinced ourselves C.J. Stroud was locked in as the Panthers pick after they traded up. Now the markets have been moving. The reports have been moving. Bryce Young seems to be coming. Maybe the, the closest we have to a consensus number one pick. You had him in your mock draft as the number one pick. Obviously, you're just trying to make the best mock. I mean, you were trying to get the picks right. Yep. I was just wondering how much that aligns with your personal take on Bryce Young versus CJ Stroud and what you would do at number one overall. It really is. I just go back to logic. And I, I like CJ Stroud, and he's worthy of you know being discussed as the number one overall pick. There's no denying that. But when you look at Bryce Young and there might be some bias. I mean, I've had a number one pick ticket on him since I think October or November when that board goes up and you could still get it in the plus money range. But when you just watch him play, you know, there was a lot of narratives, guys, right? Whether it was, well, Frank Reich would never draft a short quarterback or like these things out of nowhere where nobody really knows. Because Not a Frank, he needs a six foot four immobile quarterback. Kind yeah, of. exactly. Right. <laughs> so and, and there's such a big staff there in Carolina that has such ties with quarterbacks over the years or was a quarterback like Josh McCown that, you know, there's going to be a big group discussion on this. An owner that has a big time influence with all the money uh, and resources that he has or attempts to put into the team. So and, and the trade in general. I think you make that trade if you see that a prospect at the top of the draft is different and can elevate your franchise on his own. And I'm not saying that Stroud, Richardson, Levis won't be able to do that one day. But when I watch Bryce Young right now, I think he can do that as a rookie. I look at the things he could do pre and post snap in terms of recognition and throwing the middle of the field. And you kind of go back to how Joe Burrow was as a prospect coming out. And he's not as good as a prospect as Burrow. But that goes to show you the kind of tier he can be in. He's got a quick, twitchy lower half that he can reset the pocket. He is a good athlete. Uh, I thought he was able to protect himself overall pretty well. So just when you look at the ability to layer throws at all three levels, he's a great prospect and a great quarterback. And everything he does, most notably throwing against pressure, where he's in a league of his own compared to these guys, translates to being a good NFL quarterback. And I think if the Panthers went up to land him, then the trade was absolutely worth it. And my gut tells me, and from some things I've heard as well, that that's what will ultimately happen on draft night. You got kind of in like the technical aspects of what makes Bryce Young such an interesting prospect. And he's a guy where for me, it's kind of hard for me to just not be like cliche ridden because sure. when I watch Bryce Young, like I just, he's got like the football player gene, basically. <laughs> like he just like yeah. intuitively understands how to make plays. Like he has like that timer you can't teach. He has like that sixth sense 
that you can't teach about when to leave the pocket, when to stay in the pocket. And I, I think he'd be basically like a generational prospect, if not for the bugaboo of him being the height of a podcaster. Yeah, you're saying that he has that dog. He has high, high, high dog levels in him. And I think he is worth taking the chance at number one overall. But I do think it is a chance just because the height, it still scares me. And are we, going around, are we sure that it's Bryce Young? I mean, I know we're not sure of anything. No. Yeah. It has been so strange with the way these betting markets have been moving on the number one overall pick. Yeah, they're very fluky, and it happens all the time. You see the slightest little things can move them or turn them upside down, or the, the general public. I, I mean, part of me wonders when you look at it, just the way Josh McCown talked about C.J. Stroud before publicly, before he was ever on that staff, did people get a little out over their skis by that and just start piling money into the C.J. Stroud plus money or even money market, and then it just totally took a turn downward where there was no value on him at all. And now it's come full circle because, you know, listen, Stroud had the combine to really kind of elevate himself. And Bryce Young just showed up at the combine as heavy as he can get. And like, <laughs> I'm not going to do anything at a playing weight that I never play at. So I, I think there's also the hype machine that heavily influences betting markets and makes it a very uh, erratic predicting element of the draft. Yeah, it's funny. Denny and I have talked about how just – I mean, as we've all talked about, just how transparent Bryce Young's weight play was at the combine. We're to like almost to the point, like I feel like they shouldn't even list that as his weight because <laughs> it's like, not his play. I don't even think it's in like the ten pound no. range <laughs> of his weight, his playing weight. He had a plan and he executed it. Denny, would you take CJ Stroud or Bryce Young at number one? By the way, do you have an opinion on this? Or I mean, I I'm very skeptical of of the size of Bryce Young, so I probably lean the other way. But one thing I haven't seen Bryce Young do, and uh, we all love to see this in the evaluation process, is uh, to roll out to his left and rip one downfield, like we saw Zach Wilson do, and like we recently saw Anthony Richardson do. We don't. We haven't seen that, and we, so we're. I'm kidding, of course. You know, this is, this is the, the most overblown way of evaluating a quarterback. But I, do, I actually do think Connor makes a great point with the, the those layered throws that Bryce Young makes. Like, yeah, okay, maybe he he can't rip it like 65 yards on a rope downfield, but he can deliver throws that other guys can't, and that's like critically important, especially if you're talking about an offense like what the Texans offense is going to be like. There are going to be a lot of intermediate throws he has to hit. I, I'm sorry. Yes. I mean, if, if he goes to Houston anyway. Yeah, which he's not. He's going, according yeah. to both Kyle and Connor, he's going to Carolina, didn't he? So, right. I'm thinking, because you, you asked me, who, who would I take? I, so I had him going to that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's super interesting. It's like Bryce definitely doesn't have the strongest arm, but like, who cares? Drew Locke has probably one of the strongest arms in the NFL. Yes. It is useless because you have to have like, it's like functionally strong, right? You have to have a marriage of functional like use and the strength. And he has more than enough strength to make throws at all levels of the field. And like you can see in his numbers, he's one of the best deep passers in college football in the past two years. And sure, he doesn't throw deep as often, but like you don't need to always be throwing it deep if you are picking your spots. Like you're not the, the most high volume three point shooter, but you absolutely drill him anytime you're taking them from behind the arc. That's kind of what he is in terms of his deep ball throwing. I think the, the pressure thing is really interesting because he does do well under pressure. And that's like the one spot Shroud struggles in. He does not do well under pressure, but like he should freelance more. You saw in that Georgia game, dude, you've got the legs, like take off, but he just kind of 
sits in the pocket and lets pressure mess with him a little bit. I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's something to be coached out of his game. But like, it is super interesting that I, I think he, he looks like he has the athleticism to be a functionally mobile quarterback, but he almost like never chose to do that. And he wasn't great under pressure. So like maybe he should have been. And that kind of goes to the like Bryce Young just plays textbook good football. Like he knows he knows his strengths. He knows his weaknesses. And he just never lets his weaknesses peek through. Like he knows his skill set so well and maximizes a really good skill set too. Kyle, quickly, I know it's you try to keep this on the down low, try to keep it a, a dark secret of yours, but you are an Ohio State Buckeye. That is and true. Kyle is a raging Buckeyes fan. Is CJ Stroud, is he just another Buckeye system quarterback? Or no, no, no. Player? He is – it's so funny that the Ohio state has not had a good quarterback in the NFL's terms. Like we've had more NFL receivers playing quarterback, uh, literally like Terrell Pryor and uh, uh, <laughs> Braxton Miller, Braxton Miller. We're starting quarterbacks. And they played receiver in the NFL. He is not like, I think I, I have no problem if he goes number one overall, I, I think I, I would do that because of the size. And I think his flaws could maybe be coached out of him because they're like tactical things. He has no, physical flaws necessarily and he's probably more athletic than you would think by watching him unless you watch only the georgia game i think i would take stroud one but i I will side with the betting markets i'm gonna i'm gonna take them and say he doesn't uh go one i think he's he's if he's not one he's one b in terms of talent uh and overall just like nfl success it is a helpless feeling when you follow school and you have a hyped prospect and you know they're not good and like this happened to me with blaine gabbert where I was like, <laughs> you cannot take Cam- Blaine Gabbert over Cam Newton. Like, you just cannot do this. I wouldn't even take Blaine Gabbert in the first round. And, no. I mean, I guess maybe the joke's on me. He's still in the league, Blaine oh, Gabbert. This joke's not good, on you. good point. Yeah, no, I think no, you nailed no, that I one. Think... Hey, <laughs> so. look, give the guy some credit. He's still in the league. That's, like, hard to do. <laughs> it's hard to do. Drew Locke's still in the league as well. Uh, so I am a Mizzou fan. So, Connor, you have Bryce Young at number one. You have C.J. Stroud. At number two, you've got a defensive player at number three. It doesn't even matter who it is. Uh, we don't care about that. Uh, no, <laughs> You have Anthony Richardson to the Colts at number four. And he does seem like he's kind of settled in as the consensus QB three. But do you think – is he like consensus enough, like hyped enough at this point where will he actually even be there at number four or will you have to trade up to get Anthony Richardson at number three? Maybe even the Colts moving up one spot – do you think that that trade-up with the Cardinals is just going to be a must if you want Anthony Richardson? It's starting to feel that way, unless somebody really fell in love with Will Levis, which I'd never rule out. We've kind of seen been on this roller coaster ride with Levis's stock, but when you look at Richardson, I mean, Arizona would love to get rid of this pick, and everybody knows it, and they're trying to draw up interest through the media. I think that was kind of a signal to the Colts, like, we really will deal this <laughs> pick, and somebody really will jump in front of you again for the second time of this draft unless you offer us what we want to flip, because if you flip, if you're Arizona, you could maybe pull off a double trade. If not, at least you still pay, you still pick who you think is the best non quarterback in the draft or a team that my God, they need literally everything on all three levels of the defense. So, and maybe even more, right? Like you can make the argument on offense as well, especially after they trade Hopkins. So I think this draft could easily go quarterback, quarterback, and then quarterback at three when Arizona gets out of that pick. Um, it's just a matter of how far back they're willing to go, who jumps up. But if you're making that move, right, you would think it's for somebody with tantalizing tools. I'm not saying that Will Levis doesn't have traits, but Richardson is unique, right? Whether it's his size, I think his rushing really dictates his floor, his deep throwing. He's a, a guy that likes to play that style of 
He could change the game on any play, but the consistency is not there because mechanically he just doesn't operate consistently at the short area of the field, which is very odd how impressive of a deep thrower he is. But then you look at simple short throws where his base is not set and he just can't really uh, accurately deliver the football. Or Not to interrupt you, that was Drew Locke. And yeah, he was like right? the most accurate deep ball thrower ever at Missouri and could never, ever hit a short pass. No, I mean, that it happens with quarterback prospects every year. Now, what's nice about Richardson is he could probably rip off 700 to 800 rushing yards in you for a year. So while you're waiting, and this was a big thing that I, I did like about Lamar Jackson, and Lamar has a slender frame. Richardson can run through any NFL defender. What you liked about Lamar as a prospect was, even if you didn't believe in him as a thrower coming out of college yet, you knew he had the arm talent to develop into a thrower and that the rushing floor would grant him the time needed to develop that throwing talent, and he did. And with Richardson, that rushing floor and deep throwing will buy him enough time to properly develop at the NFL level where he's got a shot to figure out the rest. So I think that's why Richardson should go after the other two quarterbacks because I do think his floor is not discussed enough. It's just, guys, when we talk about floor, it's like, can you throw a five-yard check down when you need to? But <laughs> running is a big part of the floor as well in this game, and I think that's what a lot of people will really like and sell themselves on with Anthony Richardson. So I mean, kind of- Jalen Hurts like came into the NFL not nearly as bad of a thrower, but like his first season as a thrower was like pretty – it needed work. Yeah, and true. if he could not run, he would have gotten killed so many exactly. times. Like they just – and it's what we're seeing with Fields. Like I, their offense yeah. wasn't good. But imagine if he wasn't rushing for a literal 100 yards He'd a be game doomed. in big yeah. stretches. He'd be – he wouldn't get to develop, right? It's what you said. Like it's not that you see him as like, ah, we're going to get a 1,000 yards, and if he passes for eight touchdowns, we've won. It's that the 1,000 yards as – I almost called him freshman or sophomore – as a first or second-year quarterback, like mm-hmm. that is what allows you – and it allowed Hurts, who is now like – legitimately he was one of the i think he's so underrated how good of a thrower he was last year but it allowed him it bought him time to get there and a smart coach will be able to scheme especially like efficient rushing out of him where is shane steichen from i mean he just coached jalen hurts like it, it just all really, really makes a lot of sense for both parties like i don't, I think richardson it matters where he goes a lot and indianapolis is actually one that i would feel pretty confident in so kind of i'll put you on the spot the night one of the draft is april 27th what are the odds on April 28th and Anthony Richardson, either at number three or number four, is a cult? Where, where would you put the odds of that? Man, the reason why I'm hesitant is because Ballard operates in such a stubborn manner that I'm not convinced he'll move to three. And I think someone will, whether it's Tennessee. I mean, there's a lot of we- like very interesting teams that could come up into that spot. I'll put it at 40% which is pretty high, pretty high, That's pretty high, high yeah. but I still have the fear of Ballard being like, I'm not giving up picks to move one spot. And that, that's not what the conversation is about. The conversation should be about, I'm giving up picks to secure my guy. And if the Colts come out of their meetings and go, well, we graded out Will Levis and Anthony Richardson the same, so we're not going to move. It just wouldn't shock me from such an old school scouting mentality standpoint. That's a really, really good point. And yeah, Chris Ballard has kind of gone from like the golden child of GMs to getting true. Daggers have been out yeah. this offseason. Yeah. yeah. True, they believe the on the reg is what the Zoomers say. Uh, that, <laughs> that phrase has not been uttered in over 10 years. Um, no, no so, sorry. <laughs> Denny, any Anthony Richardson thoughts? We've talked about Anthony Richardson a lot. Well, um, I, I wanted uh, Kyle to kind of repeat the um, Anthony Richardson, Derrick Henry. Comp. Oh, that he's Derrick <laughs> Henry with like Blastoise cannons on his back. Uh, he's one of them. But, like he I mean, is when he like 
Like he weighs, I think, three pounds less than Derrick Henry. He's like an inch taller, and he ran like a tenth of a second faster forty. That is not real, man. It is terrifying. Um, just gotta hit some five yard passes. Uh, you saw a lot of baffling. I mean, it wasn't a ton of time on the field, but a lot of bafflement at Florida. So, a question that I keep thinking of, I, I think other people are thinking of a lot, is still Anthony Richardson versus Will Levis. It certainly seems like Anthony Richardson has separated himself from Will Levis, like maybe tear it up from Will Levis. Do you agree with that, Connor? Or do you think Anthony Richardson is clearly ahead of Will Levis as a prospect? I, I do. I mean, I have Richardson as the 13th overall player in this draft. And then I think Levis is closer to Hooker. I, I have Levis at 38 and Hooker at 41. So I, I, I'm fascinated by the tiering of the quarterbacks. Like for me, you could argue Bryce is in his own tier. I, I would put him and Stroud together in that first tier. I would put Richardson as in his own tier. And then it's Levis and Hooker, not Levis and Richardson. And, you know, it's it's not the, it's how we look at these things from where are you at in d- your developmental process. And I think Levis and Hooker have a long way to go before they could thrive at the NFL level, because when things get chaotic, things get really, really bad for them. And um, with Levis specifically, I mean, the timing is a significant issue for me right now. Everybody looks at him and goes, well, he's not accurate. It's like. Well, I think he actually would be. The timing of the throws is what the problem is. He doesn't have that. He's not in sync with his routes or his wide receivers consistently, and it looks like the pass is inaccurate, but it's really the fact that he's just not timing his throws up wisely. So, Because when you look at him, I mean, he, he's got everything you want in terms of the build. He's tough. He'll take a hit. He's not. He doesn't stare down the rush, and um, he's somebody that does have a snappy kind of motion and release, but when you're timing, you're playing slow and your decision making is off and you're already not an old prospect, but older, he'll turn 24 right before training camp. No, you can I mean, say he's, he's old. Elder. Yeah, that's that's old, right? That's older. And this is something I was like, going to say. It's a good thing yeah. that these guys who have a lot of a lot of developing still to do are 24 and twi- 25 years old. You really want to be really ramping up the development on the Bryn Whedon <laughs> right? track of being ready to play when you're 29 or 30. <laughs> That's what's scary about Levis and Hooker and why I can't justify them being in my top 32 players. I just can I can't justify them being first round picks and they will be. I think both of them very well could be. Um, and, but that because that's the NFL quarterback tax we see every year. But for me, I just it just wouldn't work that way for me. And Hooker being like, what, 25 with the, the catastrophic injury. I just yeah, would not want that to be my team's first round pick. Connor, this will be the most important question we asked you. Uh, you yourself are jacked. Uh, maybe people can't see that if they're only listening on the podcast. Is Will? We just want you. To, we wanted you to weigh in on the is Will Levis too jacked? I can con- I can confirm Connor's very very strong. We heard this from Denny <laughs> in person scouting that he said you were quote in- jacked, and- intimidatingly so. <laughs> I don't know about that, but is I love that conversation. Is Will Levis too jacked? I, I mean, no, right? Like, there's. Ne- I don't think you're, you're ever too jacked uh, unless it really affects your flexibility. Like, for a pass rusher, I would be worried about being tight. As a corner, I'd be worried about hip tightness. With Levis, I mean, he had to stand in there and, and get the absolute snot knocked out of him on a bad team this year, and to his credit, he did. And I, once again, going back to the motion, like, I like the throwing motion of Will Levis, and I do like his short yardage running ability. He can move the pile. He could give you five yards. He can run in the goal line situation. So uh, I love that question. And it's been like kind of this fun. Now the mirror selfies, that's kind of where I draw the line there for Will Levis. Didn't really love that, but didn't go well for Zach Wilson. 
No, mirror selfies as a quarterback prospect have a bad track record. It feels like right now. And this is analytics. <laughs> yeah, and this is trying. this is numbers. I ran the numbers. We're we're not on a good trajectory right now, fellas. No, well, exactly. Tom no, Brady you, has Tom Brady has for 20 years told us about pliability and the importance of pliability with quarterbacks. I don't see much pliability going on with with you know jacked up uh, uh, Will Levis. That's all I'm saying. So it's Denny, true. he thinks Will Levis is too jacked. I think he must be thinking Connor's too jacked too. Just no. <laughs> okay, so, no more analyzing. Little too tension jacked. on the podcast. Got to get the got to get the muscle rate down. <laughs> yeah. so, too strong to analyze. Yes. Yeah, Connor. So you have on your big board, you, you have Will Levis outside the top 32. I, I believe you just said, correct yep. me if I'm wrong there. Yep, 38th. Um, you do have him mocked to the Titans at number 11 because, again, you're just trying to predict the picks. Yeah. You think there's any chance Hendon Hooker goes before Levis, like a team? Man. I guess there probably would be if he wasn't injured, but is that is that a remote possibility you'd say Hooker off the board before Levis? I stopped ruling out every draft scenario when I was sitting there at Bleacher Report and Rashad Penny went in the first round that year, like and Cole Strange last year, and like I, it those guys, out the Penny pick was good all along. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like those now. guys could, and it's funny those guys could play, but you, they're just not your typical first round kind of picks. I, I mean, so no, there's not. It's not impossible, but I'd put it at like a two percent chance, probably more because of the injury, Pat. I think it. That's what it is. If he wasn't hurt, I think. I do think if not be, for the injury, the yeah. hooker hype train would be crazy. I think you'd see him in the top twenty of every mock draft if he wasn't hurt. To be honest with you, I really, really do. But I think Levis will go before him, and I think it'll be in the top twelve for Levis. Man, yeah, it's a little rich for my blood. Denny has a question about something yeah. far beyond the top twelve. Yeah, kind of, yes, well, well beyond. Uh, is there anybody uh, that strikes you among the the quarterback prospects as uh, this year's? Uh, Brock Purdy or maybe Gardner Minshew. That's a fun one. I, I think for me, one that's like could be the Snoop Huntley kind of trajectory would be Dorian Thompson Robinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look at him and he's got enough athleticism to impact the game on the ground and extend plays. But I, I mean, he started for five years under Chip Kelly and he got better every year and got comfortable and started to really find his rhythm in that offense. And a guy that, you know, stayed at one school and grew within that system and, I think he threw really well at the combine, which is a question with his size. Like, how would he look? He's in great shape. So Dorian Thompson Robinson just screams to me, if you run a system where you do ask your quarterback to move a little bit and be athletic, he's kind of your ideal number two or number three in that system that you can get for a fifth to seventh round pick. I don't really think his draft capital is that high. More in the Brock Purdy, Gardner Minshew mold. I would look at a guy like Jake Hayner, uh, where they're never going to, physically overwhelm you but they kind of play with that edge and can operate in the offense in the short and intermediate area and they have good weapons around them that they could just kind of play point guard and get the ball to so i don't like the depth of this quarterback class for the most part but those are two guys if i needed a third guy in camp to throw i would take at least a swing on on late day three Connor, I, I, I knew who Jake Hayner was, by the way. I did too. Um, oh, that's unfortunate. You shouldn't, Pat, you shouldn't be knowing this much about college football. You're no, I, I actually did not know who Jake Hayner was, even though I do follow college football pretty closely. Uh, it turns I, out he's the latest, greatest Fresno State quarterback. I comped uh, DTR to maybe like a Tyrod Taylor career path yeah. where like there were systems in which Tyrod Taylor, I mean, he literally got a Pro Bowl. Uh, you know, Pro Bowls aren't what they used to be, but he, I, no. I'm pretty sure like Andy Dalton he got a Pro Bowl. been to 17 of them. Um, but but like he can move he's not like gonna run you over but he can move he can execute a lot of throws I just don't know if I ever see like a starter but like 
He could be a bridge-ish. I mean, that's what Tyrod Taylor was. He wasn't the guy you wanted to start, but he did start for a lot of teams, and he fits well in like a specific system. I, he would like DTR would probably be a good backup to Daniel Jones. Tyrod Taylor still is right now. He was on a two-year deal, right? He was on a two-year deal, and I was gonna say, Connor, that absolutely staggered me when you said Chip Kelly's been at UCLA five years already. Yeah, I, I had to or, double check that one like three times while writing him <laughs> up. I'm like, there's no way he only played for Chip Kelly like throughout this entire stretch. Like, oh yeah, the Pac-12 after dark. You kind of forget these things. That's true. And as an East Coaster, by the way, and now Big yeah, Big Ten cool. after dark now, of course. Uh, That's right. UCLA, a legendary rival of Denny's alma mater, Maryland. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so. right. Hey, good draft year for Maryland. D- don't don't even try, Denny. Do you know anyone on Maryland? Uh, Chig Conquo is drafted, so no. <laughs> no mm-hmm. so Chig does not count as the answer, but uh, yeah, you're not missing anything with Maryland football, and uh, you won't be uh, missing any draft talk right now. We're taking a very quick break. We'll be back after this to talk running backs with Connor. Every season is draft season. Get your Roto-World Draft Guide bundled today and dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts. It's packed with profiles, rankings, and projections. Order today and get all three Roto-World Draft Guides for the price of two, plus use promo code BARRY and save an extra 20% off at checkout. That is promo code B-E-R-R-Y to save an extra 20% off at checkout. And don't forget, download the Roto-World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players in your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It is available in your app store today. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. We are back with Connor Rogers and Denny Carter and Kyle Dvorak talking the NFL draft. We've just put a bow on quarterback. It's kind of one of just a strange quarterback class. I feel like it's always a little strange, but I feel like it's even, even stranger running back class where there's one guy just taking up all the oxygen, uh, almost all of it, like uh, almost never see this big of a separation between the number one and two. I feel like even some like the generational years and then like this, a lot of guys like fighting, to be in the second and third tiers. And, of course, the guy I'm talking about taking up all the oxygen counters, Bijan Robinson. Uh, you have him falling all the way to the Bengals at number 28. Kyle has the Cowboys taking him at number 26. And I was just wondering if we really think, like, has the NFL actually gotten disciplined enough to let a supposed generational running back fall this far? And just what, what, is, your, what is your confidence on Bijan falling that far down the board? 
Yeah, no, I don't think he's making it to either of those picks. And when you write these mock drafts, I like I have have a rule of thumb. Like when I start the mock draft, I'm like, I'm either going to do trades and make this thing insane or I'm not going to do a single (laughs) trade. And there's certain players that you have them fall because, you know, they are the classic team or a classic prospect that a team will go up to get them because they prioritize them differently. And with Bijan, it's hard to find this no brainer landing spot in the top 20 that makes a lot of sense for him. But when you're a top five to seven talent in the draft overall in a draft that just lacks blue chip talent, you're going to go early. So could I see somebody jumping up to get him? Absolutely. When you operate the draft and try to keep it realistic outside of the selection he's going, the Cowboys, uh, maybe the Bills, the Bengals, every time they get to talk about Joe Mixon, they kind of like throw their arms up and they're like, eh, <laughs> they like so there's that a one, constant theme of this podcast. Oh, my God. We've been talking like, about this oh, I guess he's still on the roster. I'm just yeah. ready for it to be over so we could have the yeah. adult conversation of like, what now? So Zach that's why Taylor, I, you asked yeah. about Joe Mixon and he like, he's like, oh, Google him real quick. Uh, yeah, he's, he's on the team. <laughs> I know it's it's crazy. So, no, I don't No, Pat. I don't think the NFL has gotten disciplined enough to avoid this. <laughs> they are just absolutely infatuated with all, with all great prospects and. You know, he's someone for me that he's absolutely worthy of that uh, that hype. You know, I, I look at peak Todd Gurley when I watch him, like Todd Gurley under McVay, where it's like, okay, I'm going to motion you out to the slot, and we're going to use you as this receiving back, and we're going to run you outside zone, and he could do everything, and he's the best creator, right? He's He generated over 100 missed tackles this year. That's a good college career for a lot of guys. So Bijan's great, and he's a great person. Like he, he gets in your room, and you're like, I trust this guy for the next five years, or ever we need him, and I don't have to blink twice if he's going to put in the work because he already has. So there's so much to love about him, but you get to running back discourse of is this the best use of a first round asset, and it becomes a little problematic. So I get the conversation around Bijan, but I think he's going to go in the top 25 picks of this draft. So you're saying yeah, that Gary's going to have to trade up. <laughs> that would be could you imagine that that I mean, would jerry be, it's the classic it. like he hasn't had to be this physically restrained for making a pick since probably johnny manzel so we'll see if they he's succeed on, this time around he's so much like ah the commanders nah they probably shouldn't do it they should take a corner i'll mock them a corner oh like the, oh the, the lions no they like yeah. they have a good running back room they don't need to the bucks like, one of the bucks like oh they yeah. got Rash- i love rashad white they don't need to do it but like that's a lot of small, like 10% chance, 5% chance. And one of those teams, I'm going to say probably after the Eagles at 10, but the Eagles could do it at 10. I don't think they will. One the of those teams, teams like the Eagles, man, they fall into luxury no, picks. They're not, like, the they, roster's they might complete. Do it. I don't think they, they need do. a luxury pick. What know, about this? Get, like, 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 what, like what if, and I don't expect it to, but Austin Eckler going into the final year of his deal. Oh what if God. the Chargers get to draft night and they're like, you know what? Like we, we're going to be a year early than a year late on this guy. And Bijan Robinson's so good. We don't want to miss in this spot. Telesco's missed quite a bit in the yes. first round before. <laughs> I, like that one wouldn't shock me. Where they're like, I, yeah, had, that we'll get, I had this right. Thought. We'll trade Eckler and we'll we'll take Bijan or we'll we'll play them both. We don't care. Like they've been they've me. even been looking for the between the tackles guy that like you know it's all these like failed yeah. day two type of guys. Miller, let yeah. him be that guy in year one, and then he'll just be the guy guy in year two plus. Like this is one that crossed my mind. Another one. I don't think they'll do it, but there's a lot of teams and eh, they probably won't. Eh, I don't think they will. And I'm thinking logically like the running back discourse is just, that it's not the most valuable position, but one of these teams is going to slip up. Like, I don't think it's going to be Eagles, but everyone is our analytics King until they fall. Right. And every team has fallen. They will fall. Eventually they'll make them a draft pick, a decision. 
that you know Twitter is so up in arms about that we don't consider them the great analytics forefront we do. It could be Bijan at ten. It could be. Yeah, good, good teams. Good teams get bored, man. They get bored and they and they say, "Well, we're we're good everywhere else. Might as well take the running." I mean, back. It was the Chiefs. The Chiefs were like, uh, "I mean, yeah, we've got everything pretty much figured out." Ch, he's a good pass catcher. We'll Absolutely. make use of him. Yeah, Chargers just need to give Larry Roundtree a chance. By the way, oh. uh, <laughs> too soon. Uh, Let's just put that name on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm telling you, yeah, I agree with it. Like the teams when they when you're coming off like a Super Bowl type year. And you're a pretty complete roster like the Eagles. Although the Eagles do have some holes developing, I, they always talk themselves into these luxury picks, man. And the Eagles, too, they've got number 30. So they're like, whatever, we'll be responsible at 30. Like, number yep. 10, though, like, it's, it's Bijan time. Let's get, let's <laughs> get weird. Yeah, let's get really, let's get really, really weird. Denny, real quick, we know you don't watch the games, you only watch the dots. Um, you have never drafted a running back. Would you? Do you think he could be justified taking B. John Robinson in the top 20? You mean in the NFL draft or in, in fantasy? In the NFL league? draft. In the NFL draft. No, but <laughs> I, I also, I also don't, I don't think that team teams are disciplined enough. And, and here's the thing is that, you know, he, he's, he's workable on a rookie contract. It's, it's when he, it's when he's going to need to be paid that his team's going to slap the franchise tag on him and he's going to be in the same position as Saquon Barkley is right now, um, which is, you know. Or Saquon's worse just, yet, he's in the Zeke position where, like, you yeah. are stuck, stuck. You're eating money or you are, like, keeping this player on your roster who is, like, actively hurting your efficiency, which was been Zeke for, like, three years. And they could not get off of him. And then they kind of, like, they like they could have made something work. They get rid of him. They, they didn't for another year. So, yeah, I think that's the big issue. And I think if your team has, like, a really strong game plan on how to use him. Interesting, like Bijan had like a six dot last year. That's like slot receiver levels. I don't think yeah. he's quite like the CMC level receiving prospect. He's close. But he's a pretty good receiving yeah. prospect. If your team commits to your probably fifth year option and then letting him go, and the offense is not, oh, we got a first round running back. We got to run on first and 10 every single time we get it. If they're smart about those things, I don't know if it's the optimal use of the 23 third pick you know something in the 20s but it's probably a workably fine use of it it's just teams whenever they have that oh we have a shiny new toy of Bijan who is great they're they see first and 10 and they get excited to give him like between the tackles three yards in a cloud of dust even though he generates more than three most of the time when you're that predictable that's why we think you know that's why the running back discourse is where it is as great as Bijan is he can't control that much there's so much going on in front of him in the box so I think 20s is probably justifiable if a team is really smart about it, but we know they're not. I'm looking through the draft order, by the way. I think things will get weird with Bijan. And the, honestly, the first place I see is I probably will get shouted down, but I mean, I mean, like the Falcons, like Arthur Smith, like I just need an anchor running back for my system. Like, yeah. We all know Tyler Algier was great as a rookie, but he's no Bijan. I can see the Bears getting weird. I really, I do think the watch truly begins with the Eagles at ten. I mean, I think the Texans at twelve could be like, uh, you yeah. Know I think that one's that's yeah. that's probably where the watch begins for me. I'm gonna give our analytics Eagles the credit that I think they've earned, Don't but it wouldn't it. shock me if if they if they kind of bite my hand as I do that. I think twelve Texans is where the watch really begins. So, all right, that's enough Bijan talk for now. But Connor, who do you think? We'll, we'll kind of ask the Brock Purdy question now at running back. Who is a running back outside the consensus top five? If 
that consensus top five even exists. I don't know if it does this year. Who can maybe make an immediate impact in 2023? I'm trying to think of an example from last year. I mean, uh, I don't know, like this year's Damian Pierce. Pierce, Biden. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think yeah. it would be Pierce. Um, for me this year, it would be Israel Banakanda from Pitt. And I, I haven't seen him valued as a top five back. For me, he comes in right at number five just because he's got breakaway speed. He's got the frame to actually be able to take a good amount of touches. He's 215-ish pounds, play weight. Um, he was timed 426 to 432 at his pro day. And it, it's all there on film. Like if there's a hole for him, he's gone. The thing with a Banacanda that's a little tough to process is he was not utilized much as a pass catcher. I think the pass protection needs work, and these NFL coaches sometimes just don't put a guy on the field until he gets there. But a Banacanda in an early down roll, or he goes somewhere where the guy in front of him gets hurt, and then they're forced to play him, and it's like, oh, he's ripping off 50- and 60-yard runs. We actually should play this guy. He's the one to me that I think will have that kind of fantasy outlook because everybody else is just a little limited in terms of what their max can be. Like, I like you know, Roshan Johnson's power and Ty J Spears is elusive and Eric Gray is another guy that's kind of this do it all. But when you look at a Banacanda, you want a calling card and a calling card is that the guy can outrun just about anybody, but has the play weight where it's like, okay, I don't have to give him four touches a game. I could actually give him double digit touches. So I think the value will swing depending where he goes. I think he'll be kind of a, a hot name in dynasty drafts when we get there. Denny has just added him to his queue in every best ball draft where he has not taken a running back in yeah. the first 10 picks. Yeah, no, listen, uh, uh, K- Kent Lee's RAS score has a Banacanda as the most athletic yep. running back in the entire class, even more athletic than B. John Robinson. So we are, we are cooking with gas folks. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, like someone who, yeah, you get guys go, like go that ahead. every year and it's like, okay, well, what do you do in college? Banacanda just ran for over 1400 yards and 20 touchdowns right. and nobody cares. <laughs> I like, is it, why does anybody care about a Banacanda? I don't get it. Every time He's I someone who I'm going to be really sensitive to draft capital. Like if one yeah. team values him as like a late day two pick, I'm going to get excited because I'm not sure I like really like teams don't see that interested in him. Like a lot of draft puns think like Devon a chain is probably the third running back or, or the fourth running back. Like Charbonnet is probably the third running back. And I'm not sure where Abanacanda fits into that as like, is he the, is he most teams ninth favorite running back? But if just a few teams see him as like the fourth or fifth best running back, like I'm totally willing to put him up there in dynasty too. Cause he is like, like people talk about like Devon a chain's breakaway speed. It's great. But like, Banakanda can kind of do that too, and he's way bigger. Anecdotally, every time I looked at a at a pit box score, it was like, oh, Banakanda <laughs> ran for 280 yards and four touchdowns, and nobody <laughs> nobody's talking about it. Why? <laughs> what is happening? Yeah, it sounds like we're kind of describing him as Kristen Kristen Michael, who was actually good in college. Uh, Kristen oh, Michael is kind of good. I, mean, I see what you're saying with the athleticism, though, because didn't Michael come out as like a super combine crusher? He was the chosen one. Like, he yeah. he was the like the legit chosen. One. He was like the beginning of this era of like fantasy football analysis. He was the chosen mm-hmm. one from an athletic standpoint. <laughs> it didn't work out. Uh, we're still. I'm assuming he's on the St. Louis BattleHawks, my beloved BattleHawks <laughs> in the XFL. Right now, Connor, you mentioned Roshan Johnson. That was another guy we wanted to ask you about because, I mean, he's overshadowed by Bijan in general. I think he was literally overshadowed just running behind him at Texas. Uh, so I don't remember whose line this was. It was Denny or Kyle basically saying we kind of have to throw the spreadsheets out on him because of the limited workloads he had. And it's like, uh, what does the tape say about Roshan Johnson? Do you? I heard you say power. 
Yeah, he reminds me of Jamal Williams, honestly. When you look at the body type, the running style, he's the best pass protecting back in this draft, so he's going to have a rookie role right away. I think he's got soft enough hands that he can catch those outlets and, and be, be a tough runner for you to get you five to eight yards on those checkdowns. But north and south, like this guy has it. He just understands how to get downhill, break tackles, drive his legs, where he feels like a bit of a touchdown vulture as a rookie, but you like that at least in a PPR format, he's somebody that should get pass game work despite not being the small elusive guy. Uh, and you love the frame as well. So it, it's a kind of a shame that he was Bijan's backup because I think he would have got a lot more love. He's also one of those players that, man, if he was somewhere else, he might get love as a top five running back in this draft. But the opportunity wasn't always there. You look at the testing, it's good, but he doesn't have breakaway speed and everybody knew that. But when you just look at the frame and the polish in terms of what he can do for you right away, I definitely see that Jamal Williams role for him at the next level. How Jamal old? Williams is like a really good comp too, because people forget Jamal Williams has good hands. Like great or uh, oh yeah, De- or Denver, Detroit never like they just that's not the role they had. They did play. stop using him as he, a pass catcher, which was weird because he caught a lot of passes. In- twenty five passes, twenty five catches for at least two hundred yards every single season in Green Bay, and he was what like a day three rookie, and he did that from his rookie year to the time he left and Detroit just didn't use him in that role. But like, that is kind of what Roshan is like, nah, he's not like not a Supreme running back prospect, but at his size, when he has soft hands and can pass track, something Jamal Williams is also like every year, PFF grade Jamal Williams, like a top 10 pass blocker too. So I, I love that comp. I've been struggling. I was like, it's kind of like Ramondre in that he can do a lot of things. He's not like super breakaway speed, but you kind of quarterback. My imagine he was recruited that? as a quarterback, but immediately played. He never played quarterback. Uh, I think they had like a bunch of injuries in Texas. It w- would have been like, 2019, I think. I think Texas one of those years was one of those schools where like they were starting like a linebacker quarterback. I might be thinking of Kentucky. I know Kentucky had to do that at one point. But. Yeah, Texas had a bunch of uh, running back injuries his freshman year, so he played like a decent amount of running back. It was the most carries he ever got in a season two because of Bijan. Roshan, by the way, he just turned 22, and he was a four-year contributor. So he that, that's an interesting kind of mix to me where – a four-year guy who's not already like 23 or 24. Um, we also 20, saw Ramondre. So not not and, the 22 is super young for a prospect. No, but yeah, we saw Ramondre and Joe Mixon come out as like, they were actual committee backs in college because they had other good backs. I think Joe Mixon had Samaje Pirine and Ramondre was a Juco transfer. He just didn't end up picking up a ton of work, but they had the physical profile and like the tape to support that they could do more and handle more in the NFL. I don't know if like he'll ever be as like, you know, high upside as those guys, but like, the more late career Joe Mixon, what we're what we saw the past few years from, we're like, he's good. He's not my favorite back, but he does a lot of things to a decent level. That could be Roshan uh, pretty early in his career. Connor, we have to ask you about Jameer Gibbs, of course. Uh, kind of a career committee guy at Alabama, and correct me, Georgia Tech before that, yeah. I believe. Yep. Um, we've seen uh, Alabama committee guys come into the league and be anything but committee guys, and we've also seen Kenyon Drake, who just stayed typecast as a committee guy. What do you think Jameer Gibbs is like actual touch ceiling is? I mean, I guess like on a, on a yearly basis, could he ever develop into like a 300 touch guy? Or is he going to be stuck in like 100 to 50, 150, 200 touch type? Cause we, we just know the way these guys get typecast. He's a committee he, guy in college. Yeah. He's got to be a committee guy in the NFL. He kind of feels like he'll be on that Travis Etienne NFL trajectory a little bit for me. I think with Gibbs and I, I love him. I actually think, like, because Bijan is so good, people have forgotten that the Gibbs is very, very talented and and not he's not Bijan, but 
I think he is in his a league of his own as the second best running back in this draft. I find it hard to argue anybody else over him because it's also how you maximize those touches. And Gibbs is incredible at maximizing his touches, whether it's through the run game, notably outside zone, through the pass game. He's so explosive as a, a guy in space. He, he looks like that third Cook brother to me, like just another <laughs> member of the Cook family tree from Dalvin and James. And now it's Jameer Gibbs. I can't get behind the Camara comps. I mean, Camara was 214 at the combine. He gives us under 200 pounds at the combine. Like that, it is tough to get over the size to sell Supposed yourself. To three yeah. entire boxes of Wheaties before. Yeah, the yeah, right. And, he, and he's short too. He's a true five nine. So it's you know how much mass is he going to carry? But he's got home run speed. He's very explosive. He wins the corner. He's got good contact balance for his size, and I think he protects himself from hits. So when you look at the the workload. I would be surprised if he's ever that 300 touch guy, but I think to counter his value is still high because he'll have really, really big play opportunity in the pass game as well. We had a, a blurb on the uh, site the other day about the athletics. Bo Wolf uh, says that he believes Gibbs could quote intrigue the Eagles <laughs> at the end of the first round. I wouldn't be shocked by that in the second round. And end so of the first well, round. Wow. Yeah. I mean, cause we, we talked about, you know, Bijan with the Eagles first pick, but, uh, they could go, you know, in another direction there, and then why not and ten then, and thirty, and then go with Gibbs. He did, he did. Right, well, he did, he did. Uh, Wolf did mention that uh, that the skill set for Gibbs is somewhat duplicative of Kenneth Gainwell's. So Kenneth Gainwell doesn't strike me as a dude who like, oh, we can't replace Kenneth Gainwell. I know, like, I was gonna Gainwell, say, man, I like, I like, I personally like Kenneth Gainwell, but he was like a day three pick who hasn't done a ton in three now seasons is it maybe it's only been two seasons but like that's not the type of player that typically holds teams back from adding another player to position via the draft and then you would hope at least because denny's right they could i mean the the eagles seem to love kenneth gainwell like they really really like him and then gibbs also uh we should mention visited with the bucks this week um i i i don't i don't think uh, that Rashad White is getting out of this draft without getting serious contact. And I, so I regret yeah, to I inform that Rashad White is the next Michael Carter. Yeah, I'm not call. very hopeful for Rashad White, uh, honestly. No. It's just, I, I think everybody likes him more outside of the Bucks. Is what it's <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it is the class. One of those. It really, yeah. really, exactly. Like I, will, I will tell. Yeah, yeah, my, yeah exactly. Like, I, Exactly. And being in the Jets world so close here, like I was like, oh, they really like Bam Knight and, you know, like just trying to scream it. It's like, be, be weary of this. Yeah. What White did, had a uh, had a not good uh, rookie year. It wasn't bad, but it was not good. Yeah. Not uh, enough I mean, where you just completely cast off Michael Carter. Oh, kind uh, of, you're saying White. Yeah. No, I agree with that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of real quick. Put a percentage on like any odds at all that Jameer Gibbs goes in the first round. Um, yeah. I'll say wow. 6%. Wow. Like, you, you get, here's how it happens, right? Like, what if Bijan goes at 19? It's not like, what? It, man, it's going to be high. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. What if he goes at 8? What if he goes at 8? Yeah, what if he's he goes going at 8? Eight eight exactly. Example. He's God. going at 8. Exactly. Oh, man. Now we're talking. Bijan goes at 8. You have five teams in the first round. They're like, oh, maybe we'll take Bijan. And then they, they pivot really fast. They really do. So, like, I don't we didn't even want him. Jameer Gibbs is so electric. We we didn't want Bijan. We're not going to give a running back three touches. We're going to give Gibbs 188, and they're going to be high leverage. Let's spend the 21st pick on him. No, Connor, uh, yeah. that's I an interesting. That. That's a really interesting thought. Like very realistic thought process to me. Where there's probably five or six teams daydreaming 
about Bijan and then maybe doing more than daydreaming and not realizing it and like being yeah, really disappointed when he goes off the board. I, I think that's actually like a fascinating way to like envision how it might happen of another running back sneaking into the first round. Yeah, there's a human nature to all of this. Like there it, is. Like scat like front offices get put on a pedestal and like when you like kind of talk to some of these guys, you're like, eh, <laughs> you're kind of more human than everybody expects you to be. Like you get fooled they, by the same BS that we all do too. They do. They it's won't crazy. get put on that pedestal on this show. We will not guys, let them escape the draft. All right. I like to I like to hear that then. By the way, we talked about someone trading up to number three for Anthony Richardson. They're trading up to number three for Bijan. Uh-huh. Can you imagine? Like that was. Just, <laughs> well, the Falcons like, just need to get their guy. Like the Falcons, of course, they were going to take uh, him if he made it there, but they got to just make sure no one oh jumps them. Gosh. They got to jump everyone else. I do think that era of the NFL is over, but what if I think it's so. Too. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's like it's because of bully, over, unless it's not. Like if you did it, you'd get bullied out of a job. That's he why. Would. Like, imagine and, showing up yeah. to the next owners meeting, like guys, yeah. this is the idiot who took a running back with the second overall pick. Like, no, the owners would be applauding. They'd be like, finally, someone with the courage to do this again. Um, it, it was like last year after the Jets <laughs> traded up for Brees Hall on day two, and then like it felt like to prove how much they loved him. The leaks came out that they tried to trade into round one to get him. And I'm like, stop doing this. <laughs> like you're making, this is doing more harm than good. Do you realize this? Like don't leak this. I'm telling you. Yeah, you are absolutely right. We, we will not put any front office on a pedestal. Kind of our final question, but you've already mentioned UCLA quarterback who three letter acronym. I already forgot his name. Dorian uh, Thompson got, Robinson. Yeah, Dorian Thompson Robinson. We got to ask you about the UCLA running back, Zach Charbonnet. The guy, the boys, aka Kyle and Denny, were wondering: is is could he be like a true three down back, or is he going to be more of like an early down grinder type in the NFL? No, I think he can. I think like in the in a perfect world, and this is definitely hyperbole, but just to simplify it, you look at him and go like, can he be my Matt Forte? Right? He's this long, heavy runner that he runs through tackles. He's so good as this pinball runner. I'm really impressed. Like when he he runs through tackles, he has change of direction off contact balance. That 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 matters a lot. He's not just like. All right, I ran you over. Now who's next? I'm going to run you over. It's more like, all right, let me run over the first guy and then cut up field and turn this into, you know, he's kind of that master of the 15-yard run. He had 44 explosive runs this year and that 4.2 yards after contact. That's excellent. But he did catch 37 passes and 17 of the 37 went for first down. So there's natural pass catching ability to get working upfield after catching it. So I love Charbonnet. Uh, he kind of falls in that mold like Gibbs where you go, okay, he's consensus two. Charbonnet should be consensus three. I, I think the top three are kind of in their own unique tiers. And then we get off a cliff of not dart throws, but very interesting high variance guys. So Charbonnet, we know he'll go in day two. Will he go in round two, you think? Ooh, that's a good one. Traditionally, I would lean. I say yes, because we do get the volume of running backs on day two, I mean, in round two, and I'll go to the Bijan like upset route again. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a lot of teams that are in on Bijan and they're going to be like, well, we got to walk away with someone like it goes back to our combo. Like maybe the bucks don't love Rashad white as much as we all do. Like I, so yes, I, but I think it won't be in the top 40. Like we've seen like Brees went top 40. Kenneth Walker was around that range. It seems like there's always someone who, basically speaking the mindset you're talking about a team that was kind of daydreaming about a day one running back they don't get it and they come into day two and like in the first 10 picks we are getting our ball back yeah they sleep like from thursday to friday and they wake up and they're like well you did (laughs) like what you said like Bijan, like 
you got Zach Charbonnet now on the board. <laughs> like it, it's amazing what three hours of sleep in between days of the draft can do. If that is, yeah. is the Bucks GM Jason Light? Is that his yep. first name? Yes. Jason. Uh, is, so you know, he he wakes up in the middle of the night. He's like, oh, I need a running back, and and his wife's like, honey, you'll get your running back tomorrow. Go back to bed, and then he falls <laughs> back asleep, and then the next day he gets Zach Charbonnet. It's very That's the process. Yeah, that's uh, some some nights speaking inside too. the minds of an NFL GM. Yeah, <laughs> and turns out there's by day two of the draft, there's just nothing there anymore. It's yeah. it's all been gone because they haven't slept in two months. Yeah, and they're they're just delirious. Yeah, not in the running back. They wanted oh, I have no plan B after the running back's gone. Uh, so they gotta take another. Running. And then they and he, sign Ezekiel Elliott, and it's all done. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, but someone free Zeke. Come on, that, that's the nightmare I wake up from. You know, <laughs> Jason Light wakes up from not having a running back on day two. I wake up to my favorite team draft or uh, signing Zeke after after bricking on running back in day two. Any final questions for Connor? We've we've covered a lot of ground here. Thankfully, um, this has been a really good quarterback running back breakdown. Uh, any, any final thoughts you want to get off your chest about the quarterback or running back class, Connor? They're pretty static, right? Like it's hard for me to sit here and have these outrageous debate. Like wide receiver after Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think is where it gets fiery. And I think some people will, you know, I don't want to say look foolish, but there's just so much more risk and variance in those projections. I, I actually like that this year, a quarterback and running back there's, there's nuance and it's like, okay, this is why these guys are in this tier. So it's been comfortable in that way. And I'll probably regret saying that a year from now. That's true. It does seem weirdly static. It's yeah. like, that's a great word for it. Like, it's way more static than I'm used to. And like, even at quarterback, it doesn't seem like there's not nearly as much debate. Like, the yeah. Mac Jones year, that's like all we did for three months. Oh my God. Yeah. Quarterback. So, yeah. Oh God. At, at, at quarterback this year, like, clear top two, then a second tier. Oh, maybe Hunter Hooker. He's kind of in his tier zone. He could hop next. And then, like, after that, sure, it's debatable. But like, we're choosing our favorite guy who's going day three and maybe not getting in. We're like, you know, we missed out on some premium discord discourse of previous years. We haven't gotten that. Like, remember when Davis Mills, it was like, oh, Davis Mills can go round one. Like, we haven't gotten that with like Tanner McKee or like. I've uh, seen it. So, OK, we can end on this. I've seen people say like Tanner McKee could be like that day two guy uh, who, could, who could. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure like, that's out do you there. Think, and, I've what seen about, that. What from about a lot this Tune like, guy? You guys keep talking. I about. like Clayton Tune. I I see a lot of people saying like like respected draft people saying like oh like he, Tanner McKee's the kind of guy. He's got the pro body. He's got the pro system. He's played in like he wasn't good. So no. I'm not really excited about him. Uh, but I'll we can end on this. Uh, Clayton Tune. I like Clayton Tune a lot. He's kind of the opposite. Where like he doesn't come from a system or a level of competition that will be like anything like NFL. Like efficiency year in year out. He looks like that dude. Any sneaky athletic? Any any love for my Clayton Tune? Yeah, you get him in the camp and just see where he's at physically because the system he operated in is so manufactured for him. And you could say that about a lot of college passers in this era. So you don't knock it uh, in that regard. But you know he'll be picked in this draft in day three, and he'll get a shot to carve it out as a backup and see if he can play with that efficient efficiency that he played at with college but i just think the physical profile it's kind of the same problem for all of these guys a lot of these guys just don't have starter physical profile that gives you hope that they could be a you know 17 or at least double digit game starter because eventually they get limited they get schemed against and get figured out and can't really elevate they're kind of you know dragged around by everybody else so that's kind of how i look at tune hayner uh aiden o'connell is another guy like that they're all in the same day three bucket of can they figure out a long-term backup career? 
All I'm saying on Clayton Toon is that uh, he had 7,600 passing yards and 70 touchdowns over his past over his last two seasons at Houston. So you know, kind of kind of like. That's all you're saying. And really, kind of, you mentioned like the guys with the size for us. Hopefully, Bryce Young's not one of them. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, Bryce Young is not one of them. What are, they, what are they feeding kids these days? As me being the same age as most of the, the the older of these draft prospects, and also being relatively small in stature, they start feeding them something else. Because, like, uh, all the receivers, every single one of these receivers, just a slot guy, all the fun, productive running backs. Oh, he's under 200 pounds. The, the you know, outside of Tanner McKee, all the day three guys are like, uh, he, he's. Yeah, he just doesn't look like the stature and the number one guy. Doesn't look like the stature. Uh, Rotopat, what do they feed you to make you so big and strong? <laughs> uh, nothing but uh, just, yeah, just Wheaties. So two boxes of Wheaties every meal uh, every day for 14 years. The, car, the George Karloftis Chipotle bowl. Was <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, yes. Four, uh, four times steak, six man, servings of rice. These it. kids need to only eat Chipotle for their yes. final two years of college yes. and the entire pre-draft process. Ace the combine. Then they can begin cleansing after that. Um, we can begin ending this show. Really, really good stuff from Connor Rogers. Check out his mock draft. There's going to be another mock draft or two for the draft. Got a weekly draft notebook up on the site. Got the fantasy football happy hour with Matthew Barry. Really, really happy to have you aboard. Really, really happy to have your expert opinion and talk in the draft with us. Denny and Kyle, of course, still getting a lot of stuff on the website. Kyle's really been grinding the draft as well. He's got a mock out there as well team needs pieces so just a lot of excellent stuff on the site so check it out we'll be back next week to talk more nfl news more draft so for connor for denny for kyle i'm pat thank you for listening we'll be back later the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.